You are listening to a production of WRCT Pittsburgh. Any opinions expressed within are solely those of the participants and do not reflect the views of WRCT Radio Incorporated. Questions and comments can be addressed to the Public Affairs Director at PA at WRCT.org or by calling 412-621-0728. Saved message. Hi, Daniel and Ellis. Uh, This is Juna, and I have a question about music. Um, I listen to it all the time, and I was listening to it on my computer the other day, and Bonnie Bear came on, and I like him a lot, but I can never understand what he's saying. However, I felt really sad when I was listening to his song, and I was wondering, why would I feel sad if I can't understand the lyrics? There's definitely something about the music itself that has a very sad feel to it. Thanks a lot. Bye. Uh, I think I'm too sad to even make this episode, dude. I've been listening to sad music all day. I think I'm good to go. I can't go on. Bro, snap out of it. <laughs> but seriously, like, how cool of a question is this? Like, why does this music sound so sad? Listen to it. It I, sounds so sad. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's not like there's anybody in the song that's telling us to feel sad. Well, isn't there, Daniel? Isn't there? <laughs> But yeah, I mean, why did these notes get chosen, these tones, for this piece? Was he feeling sad when he wrote it? I mean, maybe, but even if he was, what rule says you have to choose a certain set of notes to convey sadness? Like, why do our brains even make that association? I don't know. I I don't either. In this week's show, we'll be talking about... And listening to... Music. What is music anyway? What makes it different from other sounds? And why do our brains interpret music the way they do? That's right. I'm Ellis. I'm Daniel. And this is I Wonder. You're listening to 88.3 FM, WRCT Pittsburgh. Stay tuned, y'all. What's on your mind over there, guitar man? You know, just thinking about what sounds are. That's probably a good place to start for this episode. I mean, if we could figure out the physical difference between a happy and a sad noise, we'd probably be good to go on answering our caller's question. Exactly. So let's think about one of these guitar strings. So this is an A. This specific A vibrates at a speed of 440 hertz. Or, in other words, if we were watching this string vibrate in super slow motion, we'd be able to see the string move up and down 440 times per second. And if it vibrated any faster? It would be higher in pitch. Right, so now let's think about this in terms of happy and sad chords. Chords means multiple notes playing at the same time. So which one of those sounded sad to you, Ellis? Definitely the second one, Daniel. Exactly. So obviously these two chords are slightly different, but how? Everything in music is ratios, not differences of frequencies. All tuning is ratios. That's physics professor Roy Breer. He teaches a class called Physics of Music at Carnegie Mellon. There's some ratio that's a major third, some ratio that's a minor third, some ratio that's a perfect fifth. For those not familiar with music jargon, a minor interval is what is most perceived as sad, and a major interval is what is most perceived as happy, at least in Western music. Say we took A, Mm -hmm. so A, C sharp, E. The A was 440 hertz, then the C sharp would be 550 hertz, 
and okay. the E would be 660. So literally, I mean, if you take the frequency of the middle note divided by the frequency of the lower note, that's 5 fourths. And if you take the frequency of the higher note divided by the frequency of the middle note, that's 6 fifths. Okay. So four to five to six. So this is like all math. Yeah, it seems kind of crazy that the difference between these two chords that evoke such different emotions are just ratios. So all musical instruments are based on some sort of periodic motion, something that vibrates, say a string on a guitar. Talking music with a physics professor can get a little abstract. But there's nothing abstract about the way sound moves through the air to our ears. Because you need something that can push the air. That's why a guitar comes on a big wooden body. A little thin metal string doesn't push very much air, but the string makes the bridge move. The bridge makes a very thin piece of, say, spruce vibrate, and that can move a substantial mass of air. And then air is a continuous medium. When I start vibrating it, it transmits the vibrations to the neighboring air, and that propagates. And our The sound wave finally reaches your ear, where it vibrates the set of bones. Yeah, and these are the smallest bones in our body. These vibrations are then transferred to an organ called the cochlea. Which is this tiny little organ the size of a pea that looks kind of like a curled up snail, and it has fluid inside it. And the bones transmit the vibrations from the, the eardrum, which is like a drum head, to a little thin window on that snail-shaped cochlea, and then the fluid inside there vibrates. When that fluid vibrates, it tickles what are called hair cells. So there are cells that have little tufts of fiber coming out of them. And when those hair cells get moved by the fluid, that makes like an electrical nerve impulse. And then that goes through the, uh, the nerve to our brain. Daniel, I think it's time to just ask the question. Yeah, I mean, straight up, why do I feel anything when I listen to music? Emotional music is a complicated subject, and it's got two important components to it. One is the ability for a listener to perceive emotion in a piece, and the second is for a piece of music to actually elicit an emotion in a listener. That's Richard Randall. He's a professor of music theory at Carnegie Mellon. Can I understand as a piece being sad, a piece is sad? Sure, but I might be in a great mood when I'm doing that. Uh, but when I listen to a piece of music and it actually makes me sad, that's a very different emotional response. So we already need to be careful about whether or not we're talking about the music making us sad or us just thinking, hey, this is sad music. One simple answer for our caller is that maybe she was feeling sad already, or that song that she was listening to made her remember something sad. Where music is making you feel a particular way, it has much more to do with associations that we bring to the experience. It has much more to do with our personal experience. And in some ways, it's um, empathetic. We're empathizing with a perceived emotion. In some ways, it's making us recall an experience that was particularly uh, emotional for us. And that's something that is not easily weeded out of the equation when people talk about emotion and music. But aside from what you bring to bear when you're listening to a piece of music... Like how you're feeling at the time or what memories the music prompts you to think about... Yeah, all, all that stuff. Aside from that, there is something intrinsic about music itself that allows it to carry emotions in the first place. Research seems to show that there are some distinct musical ways that emotions can be elicited. So why then do we perceive minor chords as being sad? The primary way is actually not what we call mode, whether or not something is major or minor. It's actually tempo. It's how slow something is. Huh. 
Tempo number one, mode, very close number two. You can play something in the major mode, something from a major scale, and if you play it slow enough, kind of rich enough, it can have a very, what we call negatively balanced perception. Mm -hmm. uh, we're gonna you know, hear this as kind of sad or contemplative or somehow um, you know, melancholy. Mm. Whereas if you took something that was in the minor mode and you played it very fast, someone's not gonna hear it as sad. They might still hear it as negatively balanced, but it's gonna be on a different point in the arousal scale. They'll hear it as angry uh, or aggressive. Um, minor can even come off as being happy, depending on how it's actually disposed. And it has to do with the orchestration, the texture, what instruments are playing, uh, whether or not there's voice involved, is it just instrumental. Why is it that we may associate slowness with sadness? Tempo has a lot to do with movement, mm -hmm. and it has a lot to do with how we actually move our physical bodies through space. Um, and if you think about the types of movement that you, the way that you would walk if you were negatively valent, if you were, if you were sad, it wouldn't be fast, it would be slow. So there's something about the way that we move our body and which has strongly influenced our, our entire notion of tempo and music. Also just, you know, our, our resting heart rate versus our excited heart rate. These are tempos that are ingrained in us at, a, at a, a, almost a cellular level. You're listening to 88.3 FM, WRCT Pittsburgh, and the American Student Radio Network. This is I Wonder. My name is Ellis Robinson. Today we're talking about what is it that makes a sad song so sad? We've talked a lot this show about tempo and how tempo is important in dictating our mood and music, but we haven't focused as much on keys, modes, major or minor. That stuff we all know is important too. Dr. Megan Curtis has been looking at how major and minor pitch differences show up in our speech and what that might mean for the relationship between emotion and music. What would we find? Would we find the same types of specific patterns that we use to communicate emotion and music? She hired some actors to come into her lab and record some short phrases. Things like, let's go, come on, and okay. They were instructed to say them with four different emotions, anger, pleasantness, happiness, and sadness. And then she had a computer program analyze their voices. And we found that the actresses tended to use the minor third to communicate sadness. Um, so their vocalizations tended to sound like this. Let's go, come on. Okay, so you hear that minor third, um, 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 and the minor third actually wasn't used at all to communicate any of the other emotions. What is it physically that makes that pitch difference in a minor third versus a major third, in our bodies at least? Well, it might have to do with the fact that when you're sad, you're in a low state of autonomic arousal, uh, your respiration is going to be a, a little bit deeper, so it's not going to be terribly shallow. Um, your, the amount of energy that you put into vocalizing is going to be lower than if you were in a happier state. Just like with tempo and body movement, pitch differences in speech are the result of physical changes to your body when you're feeling happy or sad. But I think that the size of the interval has to do with the amount of effort that someone is putting in. Uh, to produce a larger interval, it's going to take a little bit more vocal effort. So 
we're seeing these intervals that, you know, really don't get up to the size of a major third because there's just not that much energy behind them. You know, the sounds that we make when we're in certain emotional states, they tend to be linked to the physiological responses of those states. We use sounds that are correlated with those emotional states in a way that maximizes the chance that someone will recognize that specific emotion. So there might be a range of intervals that that very uh, consistently can communicate sadness. And the minor third might be sort of the ideal interval. You're listening to I Wonder, a production of WRCT Pittsburgh and American Student Radio. Now, we should say, all of what we've been talking about so far has been about Western music. We should be asking as well, how did these ideas translate to other cultures? This is a pretty new field and not a whole lot of research has been done so far. But we found a scientist who does study this. That was beautiful. That was very nice. So this is Shantala Hegde. She's a psychologist at the National Institute of Mental Health and Neurosciences in Bangalore, India. To begin with, we were interested to see if uh, ragas could be classified into happy and sad. Indian classical music consists of different groups of notes called ragas. And ragas, they aren't a direct analog to modes like major and minor in Western music, but they are similar. In fact, the etymological meaning of the word raga originates from the Sanskrit word, which means that which evokes emotion. Now, there are hundreds of these different ragas, and Shantala was curious about what emotions people associated with them. So for this study, I took six ragas, which represented six parent scales out of the 10 parent scales, three of them representing negative emotion, three of them which I hoped would evoke a positive emotion. And what we saw was in uh, musically untrained people, they could very clearly categorize these set of ragas into those which would evoke a sad emotion and those which would evoke a happy emotion. Huh. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's very much like in the beginning of the show when you played those two chords. Right. And yeah, and I had to say which one was happy or sad. And I was able to do that even though, you know, I didn't know why I was saying that. So now in this different culture, this different country, different musical system, these same types of emotional associations exist. And interestingly, increase in tempo, increase the intensity of happiness experienced. And in the sad ragas increase in tempo kind of decrease the intensity of sadness. So we know clearly that tempo plays an important role as well in evoking, you know, in influencing the emotion that we experience. That is it for this episode of I Wonder. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening. And thank you to all of our guests. So we talked to physicist Roy Breer. Music theorist Richard Randall. Uh, psychologist Megan Curtis. And psychologist Chantala Hegde. Yeah, seriously, thanks to all you guys. You were great. You know, Daniel, we might have actually answered the question this episode. 
Why is a sad song sad? Yeah, we learned certain things like slow tempo, minor chords, or certain raga just are sad. That's how music lets us perceive emotion. Right, and all that stuff is super cool. But more interestingly, I think that we learned why those things might exist in the first place. The physiology of being sad is expressed in slow tempos and minor thirds. This might go back to the roots of the evolutionary beginning of music. So if you guys out there listening are wondering about something, we want to know about it. Yeah. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter and online at iwonderpgh.org. Learn how to submit a question there and maybe we'll make a radio show about it. So until next time, take care, y'all.